First Peter 2, 1 and 2. Okay. Hear the word of God to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now here's the verse I want to focus on. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That sends the reading of God's holy inerrant word. May he bless it to hearts and lives this morning. You may be seated. Now those of you who were here last Sunday will know that I preached a sermon that if taken to heart and put into practice, I told you it would have the power to be a game changer for you in 2018. You may remember that. And if you remember, I, I said that's no exaggeration. I'm not using hyperbole. I'm being factual. And what that game changer would be is the Bible, if you took the Bible's teaching on the necessity, on the benefits and the limitation of committing scripture to memory to heart. In other words, if you actually hear, heard that message and then began to practice it and put it into practice, you would literally see your life changed. Literally. Now, I was planning on preaching the second most powerful daily practice or habit that could also make a tremendous difference for us if we took it to heart and put it into practice. But we're going to postpone that until next week, and I'll tell you why. I just couldn't shake the feeling that simply pointing out the necessity and the benefits and the limits of memorizing Scripture, it wasn't enough. I couldn't just leave it there. Say, okay, we're done with that. I really... Uh, continue to feel that it's so important that I needed to follow it up with a sermon that would actually equip you with the motivation and the practical help that you need to put last week's message into practice and to make it a reality in your life. Maybe this way I'll help you see the import of it and how it was impressed on my heart by the Lord. The Lord Jesus our master, our king, and our savior, once said these words to, to the religious leaders in his day. This is what he said. You load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them out. Now, let me say, first of all, telling you to memorize the Bible for your own good, I wouldn't say is a super heavy load. So I'm not saying that, but what I would say is this. Far be it from me, to have to face the Lord and say that I impressed on you so forcefully a practice then, and then I didn't help you to, to start doing it. And I think as a pastor, we, we, as pastors, we shouldn't just tell you, but we should model it and we should equip you to do the things that our Lord says for us to do. And so this message this morning is all about motivating you, inspiring you, and equipping you with what you need to take up the life-changing practice of committing God's word to memory. That's it. That's all this message is this morning. So I hope you will take this as a bookend to last week's. We're going to have them online. I'm going to make some CDs for those of you who still listen through CDs. And I'll, I'll email you the MP3, whatever you need, so that you'll have 
this series to listen to over and over again. Um, I find that I do that when I'm in the car. If I'm cooking clean and working in the yard, I put on my iPod and this stuff washes over me. I find it very helpful where I can redeem the time that way. All right. So this is what we're going to see this morning. And I will tell you ahead of time, point one is the longest. And I mean, it really is the longest. The other two are going to be really brief compared to the first one. So I'd like to tell you that up front. So after the first point, you're not like two more of these. Don't worry. The first one is the line share. So this is what we're going to see. The top three tips in actually making scripture memorization a real part of your life. First one, develop and cultivate a ravenous appetite for God's word. That's number one. Spent most of our time there. Secondly, derail excuses for not committing scripture to memory. Got to get rid of those excuses. And number three, I'm going to give you some detailed examples of how to memorize scripture. So I'm not just going to tell you to do it. I'm going to give you some tips. Which, by the way, that's why I showed you what I memorized the last week, week and a half, to show you that it can be done, and then I'll explain to you some methods on how I actually pulled that off as bad of a memory as I do have. All right? Let's take a look at the first one. Develop and cultivate a ravenous appetite for God's Word. So the number one thing, you know, survey says, and you go to the number one thing, and it goes ding, and I go, ah. Da, 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 da. Well, that's this. The number one thing that will motivate and move you to make Bible memorization a part of your everyday life is this. It's developing and cultivating a ravenous appetite for the Word of God. That's the number one thing that I would encourage you to, to do. So for time's sake, let me take King David for example. We, uh, I labored to show it last week from Psalm 119, which is a great um, psalm about all the glories of the Word of God, the law of God. We see that David didn't just talk about memorizing God's Word and meditating on it. What did David do? He put it into practice. He was about it. He wasn't one of these guys who just flapped about memorization. He did it. And if you notice from Psalm 119 last week, we saw... He memorized and meditated on God's word when? Both day and night. As busy as he was running a kingdom and a family and all the other things he did, he lived off the word of God. He succeeded. Isn't that cool? I'd like to see somebody who succeeded in memorizing scripture. Isn't that? That's encouraging to me. A sinner saved by grace. Because look, David was seriously flawed. Can I get an amen? Amen. But he was also a sinner saved by grace who knew the good shepherd from, by heart and walked closely with God. So the question that I have to ask when I see this example, I say, wow, man, this is really convicting. What's David's secret? I want to know your secret. Well, it all could be boiled down to this. You want to hear David's secret? I'm telling you. He delighted in, he deeply desired, he loved, and he had a passion for the word of God. To him, to, to King David, this book, and particularly he had the first five books of Moses, I know at least, the Pentateuch was sweeter to him than honey from the comb. As my grandma used to say, sweet, sweet to like a sugar. Just to listen to the way David, if you don't believe me, you know, just take my word for it. Listen to how David described God's word in his day. I'm going to just shoot a few off. Psalm 119.24, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. 
Psalm 11972. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. That one struck me. Wow. Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Psalm 119.103. Last one. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. All this is to say, David had a ravenous appetite for the word of the Lord. He could say, like Job before him, talk about conviction, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Wow. My brothers and sisters in Christ, my friends here, I want you to take note and I want you to note this well. When you crave and desire and long for God's word like that, listen, memorization will not be a burden to bear. It won't be a duty to drudge through, but it will be one of the great joys and delights of life this side of glory. You got that? It'll change from a duty to an incredible delight and a joy. That was David's secret. It really wasn't that complicated. It wasn't really that mysterious. So the million dollar question, I know you should be thinking this in your head if you're tracking with me. Okay, well how can I develop a greater appetite for God's word? Right? I would think many of us would say, wow, man, I look at this and I say, how do I get there? Right? How do I get to the point where this book from God is more precious to me than gold or silver? So the answer is both simple and paradoxical at the same time. You're going to have to follow me here. It's going to seem weird at first because here's the answer. You want to love the word of God more? Read it more. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I like logic a little bit, right? So I would say, now wait a minute. Think about this. You're saying, if I don't read and memorize the Bible enough, I need to start reading it more. Um, that's my problem, right? My problem is I don't read it enough. So it seems like it's a contradiction. That's what I mean about paradox, right? Well, look, follow me on this one. Most of us are not born liking broccoli rob coming right out of the womb. I promise you, it's a bitter green. Most of us, or at least a lot of us, don't necessarily like raw onions right when we're little. Right? What do we talk about? And you could mention other things if those things you did, but there are plenty of other things. I was just trying to give a couple examples that we do what? We acquire a taste for. Now, for me, broccoli rabe, I can't remember a time I didn't like it because it was in my family for so long. I don't remember when that day was where I finally said, hey, this is kind of good. But I'll tell you what I do remember. I remember when I first started eating red onions raw. As a child, as a teenager, through my 20s and my 30s, if you made me a salad and it had red onion in it, guess what I did? I took those red onions, right? Man, I get this nasty stuff out of here. Now, I think I was in my 40s. And I was trying to watch my weight a little bit. I was trying to say, okay, I don't want all that mayo and all that gunk on my sandwich. So I need some kind of flavor. So my friend Chris Nally grew fresh red onions. Really nice. I pick them right out. And I remember trying them then. And you wouldn't believe it. All of a sudden, 
man, the flavors just exploded in my mouth so I didn't have a plain stem. Before you know it, now I love, I mean, I have to have red onion in my salad. I acquired a taste. So, so how did I end up liking red onions and acquiring a taste for them and then actually loving them? What I do? I ate them. I introduced them more and more and I tried them more and more until, lo and behold, now I love them. Well, the more you read the Word of God, the more you will acquire a taste for it. So, for instance, we just read a passage, 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Peter said this to the young believers in his day, and I want to give you the context. I don't have time to preach the whole text, so let me just give you the context. Peter is talking about how they had been given new life. They've been born again through what? The Word. The Word of the Gospel. They heard the good news of Jesus, and they, God gave them new birth through faith in Christ, as it was given to them through the Gospel. And so now, since they have received the word, they've been born again with the word, Peter says this, so now desire pure spiritual milk so that you will grow up in the salvation that you received through the word. So in other words, that same word that saved you, now I want you to crave it so that you grow. Just the way you were born, now I want you to grow on it. And he's talking about, when he talks about the spiritual uh, milk, He's talking about the word of God. So it's very important for us to get that context. So this is what he's saying. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is what? Good. You've tasted the goodness of God. Guess what through? The gospel. And so I quoted, from you, uh, uh, quoted for you a passage I'd been working on by memory, and that was Isaiah 53. And what is Isaiah 53? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It talks about how he is the substitutionary atonement for our sins. In other words, the punishment that brought us peace, the punishment we deserve, was upon who? Was upon him. And by his wounds, we are what? Healed. That warms my heart to God. That changes my life. I realize God loved me so much that he was willing to take what he took on the cross, my punishment. And God then now what? Tastes sweet to me. And his word is sweet to my taste. And now that I've tasted the Lord is good, Peter says, great, now crave it more and more. Make it so that it's an insatiable desire. Martin Luther puts it this way as he quotes on uh, 1 Peter 2. He says, therefore, it's not enough for a man to preach or hear the gospel once. He must ever persevere and advance in it. And I like this. For such grace the word possesses that the more we taste it, the sweeter it is. And I might add, the more we desire, more of it. So think about this. Now, David was extolling all the wonderfulness and the greatness of the first five books of Moses, which contained the law of God. It contained all the regulations of the temple and the sacrifices and the priests. And all that did what? It foreshadowed the Christ to come, didn't it? It was like dimly, seemed really dark, but it, it spoke ahead of one who would come. We have the gospel, what? In the full light of day. We have the New Testament as well as the whole Old Testament. We have the fullness of Christ. How much more sweeter should it be to you and me because we have the gospel in its full revelation? John Newton wrote this. Here, this is, I think, my longest quote, but I want you to listen. This is powerful. The precepts are our rule and our delight. The promises, he means of Scripture, 
our strength and our encouragement. The good recorded of the saints is proposed for our encouragement. And their miscarriages are as landmarks set up to warn us of the rocks and shoals which lie in the way of our passage. The study of the whole scheme of gospel salvation, respecting the person, the life, the doctrine, the death, and the glory of our Redeemer, is appointed to form our souls to a spiritual and divine taste. And so as far as this prevails and grows in us, the trifles that would draw us from the Lord will lose their influence and appear divested of their glare with which they strike the senses, mere vanity and nothing. In other words, the more you are immersed in God's word, the more that it dwells in you richly, like Paul talks about in Colossians 3.16, the more that the things of the world will become dim and dull, and they won't have that same allure, that sparkle, that mirage that it had before. It loses. Listen, let me meddle more. John Bunyan, you know he wrote Pilgrim's Progress? Right? You know, he went to prison for preaching the gospel. Well, he had this written on the inside cover of his Bible. Either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Mm. And think about it. So why I bring this up is because it's all about what you develop a taste for. What do you develop a taste for? Do you ever notice that when you begin to neglect your walk with Jesus, when you fall back into worldly thought patterns and practices, what happens? You begin to do what? Lose your taste for this. It becomes dull, lifeless, boring. That's a bad sign, brothers and sisters. You know, like when we have newborn infants, you know, we laugh about it, but man, they're crying, they're craving that milk, right? The mama's milk. What happens when a child doesn't have that hunger? We get a little worried, don't we? Because something's not right. And so if we begin losing our appetite, then we need to come back to Jesus, get right, get back in his word, and maybe for some of us all over again, reacquire a taste. George Mueller, you might know who he was. He was a pastor who helped countless orphans in his day. He ran an orphanage, and he was just a real man of God, a real activist. But he said, activist. But he said this, the less we read the word of God, the less we desire to read it. The less we pray, the less we desire to pray. Makes sense. So here's the thing. When you're struggling to live the Christian life, you're struggling to heed your gracious, loving Savior's call to take up your cross, deny yourself, follow him daily. Then where will you go for wisdom? Where are you going to go to get the power you need to walk with Jesus? Where are you going to go for the encouragement to not give up? Where are you going to go for guidance? Lord, show me the way. Where are you going to go for that empowerment you need to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Where are you going to find that? Listen, I'm telling you this from the heart, will our non-believing co-workers, family and friends, will their counsel and advice or their way of life be an aid to our walk with Jesus? Listen, I have many unbelieving loved ones and friends and I love them dearly and I thank God for each and every one of them that they're in my life. I really do. But I need to remember that if they're not in Christ, then they're still part of this 
unredeemed world that tries, that's against God and tries to squeeze me into its mold. You get that? It's a fact. I need to remember that they are opposed to God and his kingdom values. So where are we going to go? The media? We're going to go to social media? Hollywood movies? TV shows? These things literally, in the main, are part of the unredeemed world that tries to squeeze us into its mold. Listen, there's an old hymn that the only reason we don't sing it is because I, I don't know the tune real well. Maybe someday we'll put some better, better music to it, in my opinion. But it goes like this. It's called, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? It's a good question to ask yourself. Is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? That's what the hymn writer writes. Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain. And here's that last line. Supported by thy word. Where does our support come from? The word. It's the eternal word of God that gave us birth through the gospel. That supports us in the fight. That's what we talked about earlier. Paul calls the sword of the Holy Spirit. That's what the spirit who lives in you, that God gives everyone who believes, he wields that spirit in your life. As you wield it. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12? Anybody? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So notice, how do you get transformed? Like I talked about in 2018, by the renewing of what? Your mind. What renews your mind so that you think God's thoughts after him? The word of God. You want to know what God thinks? Open up his word. He'll tell you. Now listen, I gave you great encouragement. And remember, I told you we've got to have encouragement, promises, and warnings. Well, one more quote from Luther, and this was in his larger catechism. He says this, Know therefore that you must be concerned not only about hearing, but also about learning and retaining it in your memory, meaning the word of God. And do not think that it is optional with you or of no great importance, but that it's God's commandment who will require of you how you have heard, learned, and honored his word. Listen, my brothers and sisters, this time in history, we have no excuse not to be in this. It's everywhere. It's accessible, isn't it? Our phones, we have books. Little story, and then we'll go to our second, third point, which are very quick. There was a young girl. She was going away from home, from a very small town, going away from home for the first time in her life. She was going to study medicine. None of her family members ever had a college degree, and they were very poor. They eked by. They were farmers, and they all kind of worked together to pool their money so they could send the one daughter to school. And she was away for the very first time. And these were the days you didn't have social media. This was before the net even. And so she relied on letters from home to give her encouragement and to help her to keep on keeping on. As the weeks stretched into months and months stretched into years because she couldn't afford to go back home for the holidays, she looked so forward to, to going to the mailbox and finding a letter from home. That for her was her such great excitement. 
And as she struggled with demands of school, as she had the lack of friends and even doubts as to whether or not the sacrifices were worth it, and folks uh, from the city making fun of her and just having doubts whether she's actually going to be able to cut it, those letters from home from, from dad and mom and her brothers and sisters meant the world to her. And they literally helped her. They were like a lifeline that helped her when she wanted to give up. Sometimes that letter would just keep her going. She read and reread them over and over again. She, she hid it under her pillow at night. Uh, these letters became tattered. They became tear-stained. Yet she kept them close to her heart. She memorized large sections of them so that she would have her mom's voice and her dad's voice and her sibling's voice telling her how proud they were and that she should just keep on keeping on and that it was worth it. And when she got through with this, she would be able to help many people back home with the knowledge she gained and the training for medical school. Augustine of Hippo, that great father of the church from northern Africa, by the way. A lot of people don't think about that. I think he was the greatest father of the church, 400 AD. He said this, the holy scriptures are our letters from home. How are you going to get through this life to the next? How are you going to keep on keeping on with Jesus? How are you going to walk in the spirit? My brothers and sisters, you need the word. You need these love letters from home, from Father, who gives us our encouragement, who gives us warning, who continues to shed light on our way and give us the grace we need through his word as we put faith in Christ. If you've been redeemed by the one and only Son whom God gave so that whoever believes in him should not perish, then the entire scriptures are your love letter from home. So that's the first thing that I could give to you as an encouragement and as equipping you to memorize scripture is the encouragement to develop more and more a ravenous appetite. Because then memorization, all the roadblocks to it will just fall away. Okay? Second thing. Derail excuses for not committing scripture to memory. Now, here's the cool thing. I was going to list all the excuses, not all, but many of the excuses that we give, and then I was going to attack them one by one. I was on fire. You know how people say, well, I don't have time. Oh, man, I could poke a hole through that one, right? Or so, well, it's legalistic for me to have like a certain time of day and you know, have discipline. I could poke a hole through it. So I could give you all these holes from the Word of God. But you know what I thought about? I don't have to do that. And I'll tell you why I don't have to do that. Because you, if you apply my first point and you cultivate and develop a ravenous appetite for God's word, if you, if you delight in it more than you delight in riches, if it becomes sweeter to your taste than honey from the comb, then guess what? You won't have to worry about it if you have enough time. You won't have to worry about it because you'll actually have your loved ones and friends pulling you away saying, you got other responsibilities, my friend. When I was first saved, I developed such a taste for it. Literally, they had to pull me out of my room where I was doing devotions. 
And they said, look, Santo, yes, God wants us to memorize, know scripture and pray, but he also wants us to take care of everything else we got to do too. It's a beautiful position to be in when you got to say, really, this is all the time I have? You know, it's like saying, please, dad, can I have one more minute? Then you're on the good side of things, amen? You won't have to worry about it being a legalistic discipline. You'll have to discipline yourself to limit it. So the simple truth is this, and then I'm going to give you one last point. We make time for what we most value in life. What do you value most? Because that's what you're going to, your whole life's going to be driven by it. Amen? And so we learn and we develop that great taste for the holy life-giving word of our King Jesus. Those excuses will fall when that happens. All right, last thing. Detailed examples of how to memorize scripture. Now, man, I could go in a lot of directions with this, so I figured I'd keep it as simple as possible. If you're writing notes, write this down. If not, it's on MP3, hopefully. First thing you got to do is you got to pick a chapter or section of scripture to memorize. And so what I like to do is take something that um, I build on what I already know. So if I already know a verse or two in a, in a great passage like Isaiah 53 or Romans 8 or one of these wonder, or a great psalm, right? Um, then I'll go to that and that way I could build on what I already know and it already encourages me, look, I already know a verse. And then I just build. So what I did with Isaiah 53, for instance, which the last week and a half I memorized the first half of it, verses 1 to 6. I started with verses 4 to 6 because I already had one or the, two of those verses memorized. And then once I got that down, I went to 1, 2, and 3. And then now I'm going to go to the next three in that order. My next step will be to tackle 7 to 9. Now, let me tell you how to memorize. This is my suggestion. Repeat it out loud. So that means keep, you read it, say it out loud over and over again. Pick one verse at a time, and I'll tell you what. And, and it just dawned on me like I had an epiphany. I cannot believe I'm 51 years old and I just had an epiphany. So, I am the worst at memorizing names. Dave was like totally dissing me and Pete because we couldn't remember Kelsey's name. And, and I was, I was like so embarrassed because the pastor, like you should know people's names, you know? And what hit me was, I know why I forget people's names. You know why? Because I don't say them. If I do not verbalize them, if I don't say them out loud a number of times, I don't remember them. But I'll tell you what, I know for a fact, when I start saying someone's name over and over again, then I never forget it. I like almost never forget it. And one of the reasons... That, that I don't memorize people's names is because of embarrassment. I feel silly. Hi, Kelsey. How are you, Kelsey? It was nice to meet you, Kelsey. So, so I don't want to be embarrassed by saying the name. But I'll tell you what. It's worth it. Because, you know, in that example, people will appreciate that you know their name, right? But in this example, with the word of God, until you actually say it out loud a lot of times, it's not going to stick. I grew up in a home that spoke Italian. I couldn't speak Italian at all. Finally, in my 40s, I learned Italian. How? Ascolti, repeta. Listen and repeat. 
and they tell you on the tapes, you have to say it out loud. You can't just listen to the tapes and in your mind repeat it. You got to say it. So to this day, I could say, vorrebbe mangiare qualcosa con me, because I remembered it. Would you like to have something to eat with me, for instance? Because it's stuck, because I said it over and over and over again. And so I want to equip you with that. I want to give you that skill. So don't be afraid to repeat it out loud over and over again. Another thing is, and this is silly sometimes, but the Old Testament recommends it, put it stick, stickers up all over the wall, in your car, so that you'll have it there. That you can repeat it over and over again. Listen, I haven't done this for so long that I put it in my shower, the outside of my shower this week. So my wife gets home and goes, oh, uh, uh, thank you for my note. And I'm like, what are you talking about your note? She goes, well, you know, what's hanging in, in, the, in the shower? And I said, honey, that note wasn't for you. It's, it's uh, you know, I'm trying to memorize, and I thought I'd, you know, be able to uh, redeem the time. And I said, so, so where is it? She goes, oh, I threw it out. So I'm like, but anyway, the point is, yeah, that was, that was really good. But <laughs> bottom line, the, these are just a few different methods. Another method, last method I'll mention is write it out. Some of us, it's really good if we, if we write it with our own hand because as you're writing, you're going over it. And keep writing it out. So take a pad and write it out, write it out, write it out. And that way you get it close to word perfect. Um, oh, I'm sorry, there was one other one. And that is scripture and song. Listen, you all already have passages of scripture memorized. I know you do. So, come bless the Lord. That's literally almost word for word out of Psalm 134. So, if you keep singing that song, you have scripture, you have a whole psalm memorized. Voila. Create me a clean heart. You already have two, three, four verses out of um, Psalm 51 in your head, memorized. Because you're singing it. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, oh, oh man, you know, what the Lord requires of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. There it is. It's in your heart and your mind. Why? Because you're singing it. So the best thing to do is take all three of those methods and combine them, and you will be experts at memorizing God's word. And the key is start small, smart little, start, start little, and then build as you can. And then once you get to the big chunk, like the whole chapter 53, uh, Isaiah 53 for me, I'll just keep working it over until it's in me. Make sense? So I give that to you as a gift from your pastor to you, and I pray that you will either begin a new habit this year of taking scripture memorization and then meditation seriously, or you'll go back to doing something that you did as a young believer and realize it's too important to neglect. You need Jesus more now than you did when you were young. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word that you had written down for us through holy men as they were led by the Holy Spirit to say exactly what you wanted to say without error. And so we thank you for your inerrant word. We thank you that it feeds our souls and that we literally live on it, that we don't live just on bread alone, but every word that comes out of your mouth. So God, we pray that in your mercy and in your grace, you would help each and every one of us at our own pace to just, just have such a great hunger and develop such an appetite for God's word that literally our, our loved ones and friends would have to slow us down 
because we want it more than silver or gold. Uh, we pray this, Lord, so of course that we would, by faith, put your word into practice and see it massaged out in our everyday life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.